Welcome back to Feminist Book Club, the podcast. We're not just about feminist books. We are here for social justice, literature, and media in all its forms. But we do that through an intersectional feminist lens. Thanks for being here. Let's get started. Hello, friends. I'm Ra, and today I have a part two of an episode that I did with Ashley and Taylor earlier where we discussed reality TV. But that episode was mostly speculation and opinions from us. And speculation is never good enough for me. And I wanted to bring in some experts. So today we have Evie Saras and Kristen Stein here to do more reality TV talk. Thank you so much for being here today. Yay! I'm so excited. <laughs> so excited. Thank you yeah. for having us. Yes. Um, when Renee uh, mentioned to me that she had a friend that was that worked in reality TV, I was like, mm, hook me up, please. I want to talk to them. And then Evie brought in Kristen. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm having some of my dreams come true that I can get some of my questions answered and get to know a little bit more about what happens behind the scenes and the jobs that I guess I could have had if I would have known that this was a thing. Um, But uh, (laughs) here we are. I work for Feminist Book Club now. Um, But yeah, I want to know what makes y'all experts? What do you do? Tell me about what y'all do. Okay, so I, I'm probably losing all credibility, like right up front. I, number one, just to clarify, I didn't ever work in reality TV, okay? But I was in the same PhD program as Kristen and as Renee for a period of time. And I studied reality TV and like the production of it. And so for my dissertation, I explored the Real Housewives franchise. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. Some might say it is the most anti-feminist reality TV show. <laughs> Others might say it's a very feminist reality TV show. <laughs> Gloria Steinem says one thing, Roxanne Gay says the other actually. So like there's a total dichotomy happening there. I happen to fall somewhere in between and that's not to be convenient. It's because of what I know and what I've sort of uncovered from like the research that I've done. So I got to talk with like a ton of um, former producers and former stars of that franchise to sort of figure out like what goes on behind the scenes, how real it is, how fake it might be sometimes. Uh, We don't like to use the word um, fake or anything like that. It's more so curated, right? Mm -hmm. Like they curate shows. Um, So I did that for like, God, the last like six years of my life. And then um, I found out upon getting my PhD in January, 2020, a pandemic was going to happen and there were no jobs. So like, I thought I was going to go the whole ride into academia and then those jobs are just slowly disappearing. Um, and Kristen, you already know. So I know I'm not crushing your spirit girl, but, <laughs> um, but anyway, so I had to sort of reorient like where I was going to take my life. So I am now, uh, I do uh, cultural strategies. So I do like a lot of consumer research in the advertising space. So I get to use a lot of my research skills, um, like my discourse analysis, my interviewing skills and stuff like that and the job I'm doing. But I have not um, done a lot of reality TV research in a in a, a fair bit of time. It's been like a year or so. Um, but I am still a very avid viewer and you know, I'm still a scholar. I still got my PhD in this. So I'm ready to rock on whatever questions you have. You're still an expert to me. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> if you don't mind if I say this, hopefully soon I will be turning my dissertation into a book. And so I will be writing about what I found in, you know, my research into Real Housewives. So we'll see. Then I'll feel more like an expert. We'll see. <laughs> right. 
I know. <laughs> Coming up next on the New York Times bestseller. <laughs> <laughs> right? You're like, here's the plug. <laughs> but Kristen is like the real scholar. She is doing some really cool stuff with her disc research. And like, she is in it. She's in the game. And like, she keeps me fresh. So that's why oh. I wanted to be here. I really did. And she's a dear Tell friend. us about that. <laughs> well, that is very sweet. Thank you, Amy. I feel like, um, well, first to start, I'm, I, it's fascinating you are using the term expert. So I was just having this conversation yesterday about this term and like, I don't know. I feel like it's hard for me to say like, I'm an expert in these things. So I feel like we always are learning and there's always more. So I appreciate you framing us in this way, but also as Evie said, I don't know if I would like say I'm necessarily an expert, but anyhow, I can tell you a little bit what, about what I'm doing. Same as Evie. I have literally just like consumed reality TV for a lot of years. I just like love it. I know that there's different, you know, obviously some of you will critique it and say it's like trash and like it's going to like rot your brain, blah, blah, blah. But in my own personal life, I feel like for me, it's a thing that brings my partner and I together. Um, we have like date nights to watch like our shows, our reality TV shows. And then of course with friends, right? Like Evie, other people um, who are, you know, scholars and academics who study this medium, but just like watch it, right? So I think- I don't know if I'm considering myself an expert, but I'm just kind of telling you how I got into reality television. Um, yeah, it's more just it. feeling <laughs> a connection to other people who appreciate the medium, I think. Like, I've literally, like, you know, created friendships from, like, oh, you're watching the show, so am I. So that kind of goes into fandom. But anywho, I'm just trying to think, you know, some of my research, obviously, Evie and I wrote a paper on um, The Bachelorette together. Um, Evie did a lot of the legwork up front. I kind of just, like, came in and we just, like, pushed it to the end. Um, but I'm really fascinated in therapy reality television shows. So some of the work I've been doing right now is looking historically at um, therapy reality television from like the 2000s till present day, which is really fascinating. Thinking about like who gets access to therapy on these shows, what do like these clients or patients look like? So that's kind of a project I'm working on now. Um, and same with Evie, a lot of my work I do more representation. So looking at a media text or like a show, looking at how, you know, folks with different identity markers are represented in these shows. So this is a perfect podcast for that, talking about mm -hmm. women, gender, sexuality, you know, feminist theory, and then also understanding the production behind it. And then also how are people kind of engaging with it as well. So I feel like Evie and I do pretty similar things, but yeah, that's kind of, I would say where I'm at now but I am like coming up to the phase of the dissertation. <laughs> well, I so, hope it goes well. Evie has done it all. I have not <laughs> yet. So she has like more street cred than I do. No. <laughs> She's no. completed it. <laughs> Actually, Kristen is all but dissertation so she just has to write the thing and then she's done so we'll see. But you're <laughs> writing these massive papers about something that people would just other people would just throw away, you know, like you're seeing other things that other people aren't, which in my mind makes you an expert. Like, you know, you know a little bit more than the it's average person and definitely more than I do. So I'm like, mm, okay, this works for me. Kristen, you're mentioning therapy TV show or reality shows. Is that kind of your forte? What you like to binge on or like, what do you like to watch? What do both of y'all like to watch? Do we have enough time? Um, I know I'm like, you uh, I mean, first? okay, give me, give me your top three shows that you enjoy watching. 
Chris, you want to be first? Like maybe most pivotal all time right now all time let's go all time I'm like let's go bring up some old ones I don't know (laughs) I know how I want to can I can I just tell you I am mainly if you want to like divide it into camps and I don't know if we even want to go there but like I tend to like view it as like there's there's different like buckets of reality shows like types right and so like there's a lot of competition type shows and then there's like the docu-soap, right? Based on like soap operas and like long form narrative, like your Kardashians and like housewives. So I'm going to say upfront, I am mostly a docu-soap type person. I was raised on soap operas. So like Real Housewives, number one, all time. <laughs> nothing, mm. nothing taking over that. I spent seven years researching it, right? So <laughs> housewives. Um, then my more so like competitive type drama would be um, The Bachelor or like The Bachelorette, that sort of like canon franchise. And then... Um, I'm just a Bravo. Well, I don't, I was going to say I'm a Bravo whore. I hope that that's okay to say that. I mean, oh, you can swear. I'm, yeah. I am claiming that term as like, you know, something, a form of empowerment. I'm definitely a Bravo whore. And so Vanderpump rules. So they're all sort of like in that, that dramatic realm. Yes. So the floor is yours. Okay. So <laughs> now that I'm thinking through this, I'm like, I wouldn't have thought this now that I'm actually thinking through like what I watch. I actually competition shows love survivor and big brother mm-hmm. and i watch those with my partners maybe that's something too um we like have started them all from like the first season and then we always watch them when the new seasons are coming on and i think i'm really fascinated with those just because of the longevity of them and watching how it stays the same but also shifts as cultural conversations around identity and what is acceptable and not shifts. So I would say Survivor and Big Brother are like big. Mm -hmm. I also hated the thought of Vanderpump Rules until my partner said, you need to watch it. Watched it all. Love it. So yeah, I would say that's more like a docu. I would say like a docu soap or like documenting these right. like you know, Los Angeles. So uh, Vanderpump is big for me. I mean, The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. I'm like in it. I watch it even though I know it's cringe. And I'm really into <laughs> Love Island and Temptation Island. I know, I know anything with like a beach. Oh my so God, like, <laughs> I know. Oh my God. <laughs> mark the shoes they like dress him like he's like not his age and he has such white teeth i mean it's just the hosts are fascinating in themselves but yes i would say those are like my go-to amazing yeah i even think chris you picked up on something so cool is that like you've been watching survivor since the beginning that's how I was with housewives. Like this started 16 some years ago. Yes. Like that's why reality TV is such a cool thing to study, but also like consume because you really are watching culture play out to a degree Mm -hmm. as it's happening. And when you go back and revisit old episodes, it brings you back to like a very specific moment in time in the way that like sometimes scripted shows can't necessarily do. So I think that's like one of the things that makes it so interesting. Well, okay, Rob, Rob, before you go on, can I ask you, what are your like favorites? Yeah, we need to know. We need to know who we're talking to. I'm okay. I'm a child of the VH1 and MTV reality like shows that started. Like my mom had me watching Flavor of Love and had me watching like yes. Love. And, you know, I followed the surreal life for a long time, but yeah. I am 
now just a very big Bachelor franchise fan to a point that my friend and I, we both have Bachelor tattoos. Um, <laughs> it, it got bad for a second. It got it got bad for a second. Um, and Can you tell us what the tattoo is and where it's at? What are you referring to in the tattoo, if you don't mind? <laughs> Wait, hang on. Wait, why don't I get it? So... I like to listen to this other podcast and yeah. at the end of the podcast, they would say, say, praise be Lord, dark Lord Harrison. Um, so my friend and I got that. <laughs> and then a couple weeks after, uh, you know, dark Lord Harrison was shown as the dark Lord. He truly is. And now I have this on my arm that says PBLH. Um, and I just tell everyone that it means petty bitches love ham now. Uh, <laughs> amazing but yeah it's it's a a big joke and it's something that marks the fact that I got very deep into reality television or the bachelor franchise I feel like at some point in time you and I can have a side conversation about Chris Harrison yes I was just gonna Um, say that you need to talk to Evie about her yeah I was a big fan so I mean of like you know, he's just the perfect mix of like sleeves for a reality TV host. You just did a, you did the job so well for a number of years. I will say that. Um, but yeah, anyway, I'll put a pin in it. So that's fantastic. I'm so glad that we're talking to a, a diehard fan. Too. Yeah, very, very much a diehard fan and was kicking myself when I found out that like Matt James was recently at the Mall of America signing books. Um, I found out that Claudia, who uh, is our summer uh, employee, like our summer part-time employee. Yeah. She grew up in the, or she was confirmed at the same church with Nick Vial's sister. And I was like, okay, I'm going to Milwaukee soon. Where does he live? <laughs> we'll um, find I'm him. Not, yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be that kind of person because Nick Vial is probably like my least favorite bachelor. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it was a big joke, but yeah. So I love the bachelor. We all love the bachelor. We all love reality TV. Great. <laughs> um, but you know, when I'm watching all this reality television, it makes me feel really bad for the people a lot of times mm-hmm. because people do tend to sign away their um their lives. And in the previous chat that I was having with Taylor and Ashley, we started comparing reality television with porn and the fact that like you become so desensitized to what you're seeing and things have to just become more and more like oh god I don't I don't know the right word um so yeah we become desensitized to that and with things becoming more and more extreme does that make it available for feminism to be in reality television when all these people are getting exploited especially like women and then also the fact that we're not seeing queer people more queer people in reality tv too yeah I I don't think I connected any of that um no no you definitely did I definitely did okay I'm like we were comparing it to porn and we're comparing like reality tv to human sacrifice as well and um yeah I just kind of want to know your thoughts on that or how you would place feminism in reality tv if we're trying to compare it to human sacrifice and porn (laughs) I've never heard it compared to human sacrifice before but it's actually very accurate when you think of it yeah you build all these people up and then you send them to slaughter and that's exactly what it is. You're going to build them up so that they can fail. I think like a lot of reality TV, right, is undergirded by like our need for schadenfreude, like uh-huh. watching other people fall down or fail in some way, right? We're watching it to feel better about ourselves 
for a lot of reasons. And that way it's therapeutic, Chris, you know, Um, and I know that we're talking about two different types of therapy and please, I don't want to talk over you if you have an answer for this, because I can, um, I'm trying to think, I feel like number one, you're right. A hundred percent reality TV stars. I will say this till I'm blue in the face. I feel like in terms of the entertainment industry, they are some of the most exploited talents, um, period, because they are regular people, right? Who are coming to work for these shows on the promise of fame. So a lot of them, like even the people that we watch on The Bachelor, I think this could have totally changed. I don't know for sure because I didn't talk to any former producers of The Bachelor, but like the ladies on The Housewives, their first season, they're paid pennies, okay? Mm -hmm. Like they have cameras installed in different rooms of their houses. You know, they have people following them around all the time. And uh, sometimes they don't know where they are. There can be hidden cameras and things like that. They're recorded surreptitiously and they're paid nothing. You know, they have to go through the demands of filming an entire season before. And if they're lucky enough to get to a second season, then that's when their paycheck increases and it becomes kind of worth it, if you want to say. Whereas on The Bachelor, I think a lot of those people just do it for the exposure. So they're not getting paid. They're working terrible hours. So are some of the producers, the field producers, you know, that are working Mm -hmm. for reality TV shows, they are also super exploited. So like, it's a whole environment that is just creating this sort of chaos of exploitation where I think a lot of reality stars can get their power back. And this is sort of where Chris and I, uh, and our, our friend Priya, who was also at UIC with us studying, um, we sort of touched on this. They get some of their power back on social media. Now, social media is also another sort of like hellscape of exploitation um, in its own way. But if they can sort of use the show as a launch, pl- uh, a launch pad to what we call like Insta fame or, you know, yeah, influencer status, then they can, you know, reap the rewards, reap some of the benefits, maybe leave their jobs and get paid. Um, that, so that's one point that I want to make is that like, yes, everything that you're saying, they are absolutely, totally exploited without a doubt. But then again, aren't all workers, right? To a degree. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So I don't know where we want to go with that. No, I think, um, I can kind of chime in. I think you make a great point. And I do think mentioning, I don't know how many people know about like the history of how reality television like came about, but really it was like the writer's strike, right? So the big three networks, writers were like, fuck this. We're not getting paid. You know, we're being exploited. We're going on strike, right? The writer's guild was like, we're not doing it. So then there was this like quick kind of, oh shit, we need to like fill our, you know, time. So it was like, let's try this kind of genre that had already happened previously. Cause really you can date it back to like candid camera and candid microphone. Um, but really I would say an EV time in if I'm like wrong, but the two thousands, right. It was like, yeah. okay, we don't have scripted writing or writers that want to like work on these shows. Let's just plug in this genre of reality TV where we don't have to pay people as much. They're really not a part of a union. We can exploit their labor. And then people loved it. <laughs> now, like decades <laughs> later, there's obviously entire like stations, channels, everything dedicated to the genre. So really, if you think back to foundationally how it was formed, like Evie said, I mean, every industry is exploitative mm-hmm. in capitalism. Mm-hmm. I'm like a Marxist, so I will die on that. We no, will not be free until capitalism, but same. Very, yeah. Like if you don't have a union, 
And that's, that's one of the things that we've sort of suggested right before is that like reality TV stars should unionize. I think that like, you know, in Bachelor Nation in particular, they are like a pool. And I'm sure that this number has changed over the years, but there's over a thousand, well over a thousand former contestants, you know, so ABC, right. It's, it's ABC channel. Mm -hmm. They have like, um, and who owns ABC? Did I already forget Warner that? Brothers, I think. Warner Brothers, okay. Um, there's, uh, honestly, there's so many mergers happening all the time with like the media monopolies. It's hard to keep up with all of them too because that's not transparent either. No, exactly. And it's, it's not. But they have this, right? If ABC wants uh, talent, cheap talent, that they don't have to pay uh, the same wages that they would a SAG actor who is unionized, right? Mm-hmm. And has a SAG card. Um, they can pull from any one of those thousands of participants who have done these shows and get them for like really cheap. So that's just another way that they're, again, like going to be constantly exploited unless they can somehow take some sort of collective action and like form a union of reality TV stars and then have some sort of like benefits and, and, and things in place for them. Um, so I think that would definitely be important. Uh, so you would ask like, okay, like can like feminism or like feminist reality TV like exist? So like initially, right, knowing what we know and we're all sort of coming from a, a similar, like very critical background, right? Like the answer is no in that sense, mm-hmm. right? Flat out, it can't necessarily, it, it just can't happen because of the conditions, the, the way that they're being produced, the way that particularly women are being portrayed on screen, framed to produce these like ideas about like gender, class, race, whatever. So, so no, then that answer would be no. But I will say that like in my own like dissertation research, after talking to some of the women, right? You find that they find ways to work together Mm-hmm. to produce their own stories. So a lot of fans, you know, like I, as a fan, I'm watching Real Houses of Beverly Hills play out. Some of it is so, so curated. And you're like, oh my God, like Lisa Rinna is doing this again. I'm so <laughs> sick of it. It is so fake. It's so contrived. I can see right through it. It's annoying. But now on the other end of that, putting my scholar cap on, it's like, oh, wow, here's a woman who is doing whatever she can to keep private certain things that would hurt other women on the show. Mm-hmm. And she's amplifying other drama mm-hmm. to like still drive story forward. Right. Mm-hmm. So like, I found out that like certain women will like literally shake hands before the season starts to be like, I'm not going to say a B or C and we'll focus on this type of drama. Now, if you follow me in this way, I, I think that you could almost argue that is like feminist action within a very, patriarchal, misogynist working environment, right? Where they're deliberately trying to pit women against each other for storyline. But there are ways that these women, and I would, I would assume that like, I know I can't extrapolate my findings to other types of shows, but I am sure that people make packs all the time behind the scenes. They're trying to somehow get a leg up, get, get their power back in some way and tell the story that they wanna tell um, without it being manipulated too much. So I feel like while we might not be able to have a truly feminist reality show, we have to also recognize that a lot of the people working under the conditions of these shows are doing what they can to advance maybe a feminist message. And so that's something that we can't forget. And in my head, that's how we can reconcile the fact that we love these shows because we know that at the end of the day, there are people who are working towards something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I mean, I would love to hear what you have to, because you can counter that so easily too. You never know. Well, I'm going to be like annoying right now. How are, here's, okay, I have, I have thoughts about this. It's like, well, how are we defining feminist, like de- de- defining feminist? Yes, clearly how women are portrayed in these shows, some people would define as non-feminist, but other people might say like, hell yeah, we're going to see women being sexual. We're going to see women like wearing what, like, you know, dressing in a way that like people might say, oh yeah, she looks like a whore. Right. But like, would some people find that empowering? I think it depends on who you talk to. 100%. Like, I mean, I haven't been able to talk to people who are on these shows and clearly just from watching, yes, they're like young, they're exploited. They're like taken advantage of, in my opinion, but who knows? I mean, who am I to define somebody else's like definition of feminism? Like maybe they felt empowered they're doing that. So I'm, I'm sorry, maybe I'm being like a devil's like advocate. I don't think that at all. I think these are like super important questions to ask. You know what I mean? It does depend on who you're talking to. There are generational divides. And I'm sure that Ra could like speak to this more considering we're on like, you know, with feminist book club box. But like, yeah, those definitions are always changing. Yes. And you also have to take into account like, or at least when I think of like housewives, they are doing whatever they can to survive. in this society that we live in, right? They're handed this opportunity. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think all the time, if I was given the same opportunity, would I really want to turn it down after like you see the benefits that you could reap? I'm not sure. I I, like genuinely don't know what I would do because like I, you know, you can say on one hand all the time, this is total trash. This is terrible for women. And then on the other hand, it's like, oh, but uh, they're given this sort of platform. And that's not even my judgment call to make. I don't know. I think a research project would be talking to all these women who went on these shows and then say like, okay, you were on the show from this time to this time, interview them like right when it was over, then wait like five years, interview them again, wait again and be like, okay. I wonder too, like if their thoughts on the experience of being on the show would change as they have like time away from it as well. I'm sure it would. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think it comes down to like, well, what shows are we talking about? And then how are we defining feminism? Mm-hmm. And then also who is the person that's being asked that question, I guess. Yes. Throw that in there too. Yeah. Cause yeah, I don't think like, yeah, we're clearly not going to like escape the patriarchy. Like exactly. not today, unfortunately. So, but <laughs> Our chances are becoming slimmer to none by the day. So <laughs> I don't know. I'm kind of like, yeah, in, in a sense, I mean, I know, obviously, I, you know, thinking from like more of that financial lens, too, which, you know, I'm not saying we all need to think about money that just feeds into capitalism as well. But like, think if you I, I'm thinking of um, Caitlin Bristow, who was a, a bachelorette, mm-hmm. right? And maybe she's like miserable. I don't know. But like, she went on this show, she was like, super cute and fun, right? Like, then from there, she's on like dancing with the star. She has all these followers on Instagram. She like runs a wine company. She has a scrunchy company. I mean, I want to know how much money she makes a year. That's what I want to see. I want to see a lot. That. <laughs> it's like, a she lot. She has to be making good money, right? And I yeah. personally like her. I think she, like I follow her on Instagram and I'm like, 
okay, yes, the show like totally exploited you and like pitted you against another woman when you were like competing for men when you were supposed to be the bachelorette. But, and maybe she's not happy, but like she got this kind of life from doing that. So is that kind of the thing where there's, is there like a, yeah, this sounds terrible, a trade-off for like, okay, I'll be exploited for this amount of time, but I'm going to get these things. I don't know. Is that like a feminist approach to it as well? I don't know. I'm curious. About I do thoughts. love her. I do love her. And I think she is living her best life. Like her with her dogs and her fiance, her bachelor franchise fiance, Jason Tardick, uh, who runs a not bachelor related podcast, which is really neat um, that he's separating himself from the franchise. And I think they're both going to start going towards that way. So I will, I will say yeah, I just, I just love her. Okay. <laughs> That's all yeah, I got no, actually. I mean, I think, <laughs> like, going back to your question of like, can reality TV, TV be feminist? Can like, in the current world we live in, can anything be fully like feminist at this point? I'm going to say, my answer is that I want it to be yes. Yes. <laughs> I feel like I should have answered right away, but I'm like, but, you know, it, it gives you something to think about. I would say, like, you know, at the end of the day, for me, like, the baseline is, like, right, we're trying to advance equality. And so, in some ways, you can make the argument that reality TV gets women, certain women, on an equal footing with men, financially mm-hmm. speaking. So, in, like, capitalist patriarchy, that would be a form of equality. but it's problematic when we say that because a lot of the time feminism is framed in media as mm-hmm. something that is empowering only through consumerism, right? Yes. And only through woman's, the value of her dollar and the mm-hmm. value of what she is earning mm-hmm. when that is not mm-hmm. the only component or element of being a woman, you know, or being a human being in general, right? So how do we come to an answer? Yeah, that might be for another day, honestly. <laughs> I was going to say, no, I is like, Rob, what, where did you like guys fall in the like last conversation that you had? Do you think that you can have or? We, we left it as a, we don't know. Right. Or, uh, <laughs> You don't know. It might or might not be. And we're just going to try to continue watching consciously and. Yes take everything with a grain of salt because not everything is real. And if you feel like you need to say something, then say something. I don't know. I've, I've definitely have stood up for people saying like, Hey, leave this person alone. They're just trying to live their life. Yes. Uh, No need to be this kind of angry fan. Oh my God. Go after a a reality TV show villain, you know? Um, Yeah. So we are, we are like, basically out of time, but I wanted, <laughs> I, <laughs> I do, I do want to ask, do y'all have any favorite moments in reality TV that are a feminist moment? And like, I have one, if you need an example. Please. Yeah. Well, and I'm thinking of like a recent one too, but Ra, yeah, I'm thinking first. of a recent one okay, and I'm like, is first. it going to be the same one? Uh, no, when DT decided to choose herself on love is blind. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. I wasn't going to give that example, but now that you said it, hell yes. Yes. Is- you know what? I'm going to put that on my list as well because <laughs> I'm so thankful that that's what she did. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and 
I'm going to follow up on that. The reunion show, I feel like, was a beautiful piece for her of, like, a, a feminist being polite and kind, which, like, we don't always need to be as a woman, but I feel like she handled that shit really well, especially on the reunion show when, like, he was, like, wild and out, and she was just basically, like, I'm, like, better than this. I'm above you. You do you. Be well, bye. And I was, like, yes! Like, not that we always have to do that as like, you know, being feminine, but I do feel like I was like, you know what? Yes. Good job. Don't let him bring you down. Oh, hundred percent. Oh my God. He was such a loser. I like, honestly, I hope he never dates again. I know that's terrible. That's me speaking as a fan. <laughs> so yeah, that was definitely, that was such a great moment. That's such a good example. My thing that I've been thinking about is with Vanderpump Rules. Katie and Tom and like for years I'm like you need to like break up with this fool like I like him I feel like just watching like we could be friends if we could just like kick it right but I feel like she wanted these certain traditional things in life such as like well they were married but she wanted like kids and like I feel like this happens a lot and maybe this is like me speaking from like a heteronormative pairing um perspective of like men and I'm generalizing not all men string women along when they know they want children and then it gets to a point not that it's ever too late to have kids I'm not saying that but then it's like oh yeah I'm not gonna give you kids even though I just told you like I wanted kids for years like I I don't understand so I did maybe this is like anti-feminist I think it's feminist I'm so glad she finally said like I'm done like I'm getting divorced from you no exactly she did the same I choose me I mean he Mm -hmm. never he never was there for her he never fulfilled his part in the relationship period so like just her choosing herself and to not be in a relationship with a man at this time in her life that's awesome and I can't believe I didn't even think of that because you know how I feel about um I don't have like anything specific I feel like both of you had such good examples of moments that I genuinely loved and like have really been I've been paying attention to the Vanderpump Rules stuff um but I would say on Housewives anytime the women really do show up for each other when they have an event and they're promoting their new line of whatever it is and they are there maybe causing a little drama, but they're like applauding, you know, at the end of the show, whatever it is, that is a, that is a time where you're like, no, I watched this show for a reason. And it's because these women come together and they can support each other. Period. Yeah. I think Evie and like, I know we don't have time left, but to wrap this up, I think Evie, that's a great point. And I think as being critical viewers, Mm -hmm. we probably need to keep watching for those moments because I do feel like women or people of any marginalized identity on these reality television shows, you will see those beautiful moments, right? Mm -hmm. Where they do support one another, um, stick up for one another, lift each other up. And I think that's a great way. I mean, obviously I'm not going to end this raw. You can, Um, (laughs) but I think if we're thinking about this medium that we all really like to watch and consume to be critical about it, pay attention to those beautiful moments, right. Mm -hmm. Um, Where people who do have these maybe marginalized identities are supporting one another or speaking up, right. Like there's a lot of like bullying or things that do go on and people be like, Hey, like, you know, you can't do that. So I think that's a great point Evie. Uh, well, no, honestly, Rod, that was like an awesome question to ask because yeah. 
going to make me think further. And like Chris, you know. if you're, as you go on and do your research, that's a question you could ask viewers if you're going to talk to them. You know yes. what I mean? To like really pull apart those moments. Cause yeah, that's just a really powerful question. And thank you so much for asking it. Yeah. Oh, heck yeah. Um, (laughs) And then uh, if anyone wants, or do you want people to connect with you if they they do so? Okay. If anyone wants to connect with you, how do they find y'all? Sure. So I, um, you can find me on Twitter. Um, I am like private on every other social media, but Twitter is where I am usually hating on academia and tweeting about Real Housewives. I've heard that it's a good bio. Uh, So you can find me. Uh, you can find me at Evie Saras, so it's E-V-I-E, and then P-S-A-R-R-A-S. I'm also on Twitter. Um, I need to look at what my name is, because I don't know. <laughs> um, and I didn't get a Twitter until Evie told me to, like, three years ago. It's very <laughs> important in academic communities. It is, and I didn't know. <laughs> okay, so on Twitter, I'm Stein underscore Kristen. I think you can just type in Kristen Stein. But yeah, and Evie and I are connected, too, so... We'd be happy. Find one of us, you'll find the other. Yeah. <laughs> I hope well, you, Ra, I hope you can use this because I had a blast and I, I had content that you wanted. <laughs> I did three. Um, y'all are great. I want y'all to be my new best friends. And yeah. Uh, so let's wrap this up. As always, you'll be able to find all those resources mentioned in the show notes. If you have any topics that you would like to see covered on Feminist Book Club, the podcast, make sure to leave a message in the comments or slide into those DMs. Thanks for listening, friends. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of Feminist Book Club, the podcast. Want to be part of the club? Here's how you can join us. Obviously, subscribe to our podcast and leave a rating and review for brownie points. Follow along on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, and TikTok. All of those links are in the show notes. Sign up for our newsletter to be the first to know what our next monthly book pick is. And check out our award-winning monthly book subscription service. Oprah Magazine named it one of their favorite book boxes, and Shonda Rhimes called us one of her favorite subscription boxes in general. There are multiple membership levels for any budget, and it's an excellent way to support the show and the voices you heard today. See you in the club. Well, Red Woman is a